I like Taylor Swift. You you are a Swifty. I like I dad. No, no, I'm not a Swift. You're not at LK's level, but you're a Swift. No, I dabble in the Swift. Dabble. Okay. And I think the Grammys kind of broke me, not from Taylor Swift, but the I want to just shut off all social media anytime Taylor Swift is happening. Because the Grammys are a celebration of just about everybody, but the Swifties turned the Grammys into a Swifty event. Not everything's about Taylor Swift. Not everything. However, because it has been a continued year of the Swift, she wins album of the year. You know what's going to happen next, right? It's all scripted, dude. It's all scripted. I hope you took the Chiefs because they're going to win. She wins album of the year. Travis Kelsey's going to win the Super Bowl. She's going to be there. They're going to get married. You can actually get decent Kelsey MVP odds. Do it right now. Do it right Might now. Be a good hedge. Because that's the, that's the bookend. Album of the year, Super Bowl MVP. They get married and they live a beautiful life. Yeah, I mean the Chiefs are going to pipe me. I, I know that. Is that what this is about? Yeah. It's not about Taylor Swift. That's not the karma. No, that's not it. No, <laughs> karma is not your boyfriend. No. Oh gee. Oh gee. Oh gee. Oh gee. Let's podcast alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias inside Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh. Thanks to Empire Properties and thanks to Copiers Plus. Check them out online at copiers-plus.com. I have a sneaking suspicion now that you understand how your how your Kira Sarah. I'm really struggling with putting those words together in a sentence. Your Kyocera printer, Joe, that you're already printing out your squares, your betting guides, everything you need for your Super Bowl party, right? I'm ready. <laughs> I, I just wish I un- understood all this technology before. Yeah. Especially with tax season coming up. So it's been a big boost. Don't remind me. It could be a boost to your business as well. Save yourself some money. If nothing else, give everybody a pin in the office so you know who's actually wasting money yeah. in the office. That'll, that, that'll smoke now them out. that will help you. you so just, go to copiers plus.com. I brought up taxes. That's, that is a, this is the complication of, having moved over to what we're doing right i'm a simple man you know oh you're you're attempting to do them yourself you're saying i'm a simple man just trying to find my way through the galaxy use our guy if you want i might have to because like i i took pride in being able to do taxes on TurboTax in like 40 minutes we're a very simple family and i like it that way okay um but now with this oh man 2023 is gonna be wild not looking forward to it and this might just be the kind of mood I'm in, though, because I'm I'm a little down. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I'm, a, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little down because the problem with social media is that they do this thing where they feed back to you things that have happened in the past. Right. So here's a memory from right. eight years ago. Right. You were at the Super Bowl That's in easy. Santa Clara. I was doing the dab. This was this was fed to me. This is how old this is. This is how old this is. I wonder if I can. can I, go, I wonder if I can go find it. Oh no! I don't have enough time to no, log in no, and find no, it. No, we, we we trust that you were dabbing. In so San Fran and Giardelli it's, Square. It's, it's eight years ago on Instagram. So I don't want to scroll, 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 scroll on Instagram. The point being that eight years ago today, I dabbed in front of the full houses. Houses, the full house houses, the row houses okay, in San yeah. Francisco. So I was all done up in my radio row get up and I'm dabbing. 
because that was the thing, thanks to Cam Newton. And I, that in combination with seeing Will Brinson from CBS Sports, who we're hopefully going to catch up with, with this week, he's at the opening night last night. And I'm like, man, you know what? It's a grind, but I kind of miss it. I kind of miss that Super Bowl Radio Row grind. I went to four Super Bowls for work. Every single one of them was a grind because when you're not in a top 20 market, especially with a team not in the Super no Bowl, team. they do not give a <laughs> shit about you, okay? That's how you end up with Jared from Subway. Like, I remember I tried. <laughs> don't remind me. Don't remind well, me. How are you supposed to know in real time? Well, you're right. I didn't know that Jared from Subway was going to be Jared from Subway. But yes, that's the kind of guest you get fed. Like, uh, look, man, I can't give you Tim Tebow, but I can give you Jared from Subway. Get you Barry Sanders. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Actually, we did talk to Barry get Sanders. Super Bowl winning quarterback, Babe Laufenberg. <laughs> We actually, we actually did talk to Barry Sanders. Okay, and that was a classic case One of, of those awkward, like just for men. Or yeah, it was, a, it, it, was a, it was a strange thing. And I remember, like, gold was super. Oh my, it's Barry freaking Sanders. And of course, my attitude was, I want to talk to you about Techfo Super Bowl. I did the same thing with Christian Okoye, and he, Christian Okoye, loved it. By yes, the way, as he should. He's Christian Okoye thought was it was hilarious, saying like, you know. People your age always remember. At least people will always remember me because of that video yes. game. And he's absolutely right. But yeah, man, that that Super Bowl radio row grind is different. And when you're outside that top 20 market, and I enjoyed it. I, like the, the thrill of the chase. Can I convince this a-hole PR rep for Cam Newton to get Cam <laughs> Newton to talk to me? And one guy from Under Armour completely blew me off. But the Pizza Hut guy will always be one of the homies. Because he set it up for me to talk to Cam in a Pizza Hut kitchen in Times Square. You know who? You know who will always be one of the homies? Will Brinson. Will Brinson will always be one of the homies because when Russell Wilson was blowing us off, his PR people were like, "Who? Yeah, no, he would never. Him? Nah. I'm sorry. No. What market? No. Will Brinson was talking to Russell Wilson for like the third time that week, and I was lamenting this. And Will goes, "Now Will owed me one, by the way, because I'll get to that in a second. So. Brinson's like, yeah, I talked to him for like three times. You want me to start the questions and you and Gold can fit in and we're, we're good to go? He's like, oh, yeah, I love that. I think we talked to Russell for three or four minutes, but it was worth it, man. It was worth it. Or it was the time we tried to do a walk and talk with Steve Smith and Gold pissed off Steve Smith because he asked him about Cam Newton and they weren't really on good terms. And Steve just did not answer and walked off. That's the, I miss that. Like it makes me feel alive. Okay. Philip Rivers, why will Brinson... Also, it was kind of like a tit for tat. So I can feel it down in my plums. I'm pretty sure this was in Indianapolis. And Philip Rivers was hanging outside the Radio Row area. Okay. He was not there to promote anything. He was not there to do anything Radio Row related. Okay. Context purposes. Radio Row is not what we saw last night. That's not the that's media night. day or opening night. That's, that's a completely night. different thing. Totally different thing. Okay. Totally. That's a spectacle. Like Which they've turned into, yes. When I was in San Francisco, I went out of my way to at least be in the vicinity of Peyton Manning and see how deep the how many, was. How many people proposed to him and all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Me- meanwhile, you got Mike Shula hanging out by himself. And, the offensive coordinator yeah. of the Panthers. So Phillips is hanging around. So I walk up to Philip. I'm like, hey, dude, you have no memory of me, but 
I used to I work at this radio station where I used to work at this radio station back when you were at NC State. He was kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I kind of remember you guys. I'm like, look, man, if you got a couple of minutes, would love you to drop by our table, which he did. Once Brinson found this out, Brinson's like, oh, can I just sit in on the interview and I can turn that into content? I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. Because you got to remember it was a different time. Like we weren't multi-platform. It was just for radio. Yeah, so if yeah. Will wanted to write something up, cool, man, knock yourself out. And then we tracked out Vanilla Ice for a group photo. Ooh. That was fun too. This is like weird cast of characters. Look, man, I was in the presence of Beyonce. Mm. All right. But that's my FOMO. I realized you had FOMO. When I saw Peter King and I connected some of those dots where all these interviews are taking place in New mm-hmm. Jersey, Peter King from Bergen County, New Jersey, just, you know, I made a wrong turn somewhere. And you made a wrong turn. And you ended up here with me. I could have been the Joe Giglio of uh, New Jersey. And you'd still instead, be, doing, you'd be doing sports talk radio. <laughs> you'd be that Joe Giglio. Instead, here I am. I can't even get anybody to text me back. Paul Marie still won't talk to me. What am I doing, man? <sighs> Peter King's out here asking the hard questions in a ride along with, with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. That's what got my attention was, man, I, I've been wondering, you know, you, you lose as the offense coordinator when he was with the Falcons. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one to swallow, right? You have the situation uh, three years ago now where they had lost to the um, they lost to the Chiefs when they had the lead in the as the head coach, and it's like that feels like a real asshole Gilio question to ask somebody. <laughs> Which one was worse? <laughs> like, couldn't you see me at, at that media day being like, "Yeah, cool, oh, Kyle. It's awesome that you're here. It's cool. I'm sure everyone's going to tell you how great it is that you've taken Brock Purdy and mentored him and mm-hmm. I'm sure you think it's great that um, like your dad won the Super Bowl wouldn't it be great if you won the Super Bowl <laughs> tell us a story about how you held your dad's headset no I would be the dickhead who would be like hey man so what was worse <laughs> what was worse the Falcons 28-3 I mean that's history man <laughs> or 21-10 like Dude, how do you sleep, man? So Peter King found a better way. In the car. In, in the, the car. Ride along, in the ride along to oh. ask him tactfully. I want to I want <laughs> you to put a pin in that for specific the Peter King ride along. Because there's trends here that I, I want know. I want to explore. But, to here, but here is here is the response uh to being asked about blowing the lead. Haunted by the Atlanta game to this day, I wondered, said Peter King. Quote from Kyle Shanahan. No. It hurts. It doesn't kill you. You understand what happened. You understand you can handle it. You can take it. Haunted is just the wrong word. It makes you stronger, really. But, you know, if you had told me before that game we were going to blow a 28-3 to lead and lose, I'd be like, do I ever come out of my room again? (laughs) You realize this is sports. Any one of the 20 different plays would have changed that game. But I also understand that the quarterback on the other side, Tom Brady, did the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. He performed surgery for an entire second half. The harder one was the Kansas City Chiefs game personally. Was it really about Tom Brady? Or was it the fact that you kept calling run plays, bro? 12-14-79, Kyle Shannon. So for the record, so everyone knows, as we used to say in the radio business, to put into context, mm. the last time I bet on the Chiefs was the Super Bowl of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. They put that thing in my ear. In my ear. Mm-hmm. Ever since then, I have bet against the Chiefs. This has been a losing proposition, if you will. <laughs> if you will. I feel like I feel like the Chiefs are continuing to do that to you. Uh, last night was the Super Bowl media day. This is from Joe Shad's Twitter account. <laughs> and Joe Shad, look, man, Joe Shad's killing it right I now. He's a Dolphins it. reporter. Yep. And the 
The tweet is Patrick Mahomes says tonight he'd pick Tyreek Hill for his fantasy football team. This is from the kid reporter. They always have a kid reporter. The kid reporter is always adorable. So I want to build a fantasy team, but on two conditions. The rules are simple. We both have you as our quarterback since you're one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Mm -hmm. And the second rule is that you can't pick anyone that's on the current Chiefs roster, oh. but you can pick players that are current or all-time players in the NFL. Okay. Rules, Sounds good. Rules good? Sounds good. All right, so who's going to pick first? Me or you? You got first. All right, uh, let's do running back. I'll pick Barry Sanders. Oh, right, Barry Sanders? I, you took uh, – I'm doing Earl Campbell. Okay. Wide receiver number one. Um, Randy Moss for me. Dang it. Okay, uh, I got Jerry Rice. Okay, okay. Wide receiver number two. Ooh, wide receiver number two. Uh, let me go with – I'll go with Tyreek Hill. He doesn't look directly at the camera and say, that's for you, Jillio. He doesn't say that. Patrick Mahomes, I was waiting for that. I thought he was, because the Chiefs continue to stick it to you. I thought that was another like little, or at least a wink, like, ha, 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 Tyreek Hill, the guy that Jillio is obsessed over with the Chiefs, and I'm now back back-to-back -back Super Bowls without him. I, I just thought that was interesting. The Joe. guy I don't need to be here. No, I, I didn't realize there was qualifying terms there. Of I thought, course. Of course. I thought he had just picked Tyreek Hill. Out of the blue, um, poor uh, young guy was was awesome, you know, poised and all those good things. Yeah. But he's obviously educated as well with his first pick. But mm -hmm. uh, Ladanian Tomlinson is the greatest fantasy player of all time. Oh yeah, so that was true. a mistake that's made true. by both of them. There, that's true. So if we were doing a Tecmo Super Bowl running back draft, ooh, Barry might be up there, but I still think that yeah, I, people, Lions people offensive line was just so terrible. People love Bo Jackson. Give me Thurman Thomas. Oh, yeah. On the Bills catch, every day of the week. Catch everything, too. And then, of course, there's always Neil Anderson on a good day. Neil Anderson on a good day is unstoppable because I have a Niners ticket, so it's, it's not twofold. happening for him. It's twofold. You have the <laughs> Niners ticket, and Peter King apparently has a losing streak with these ride-alongs. That and, of course, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, it's written scripted. in the stars here, right? It's scripted, man. It is absolutely scripted. I hope you all are taking the Chiefs. The underdog Chiefs. Speaking of respect, respect your house. With housekeeping, it's brought to you by Enovana. Check them out online, enovana.com. E-N-O-V-A-N-A. -A. We need a rant jingle yes, for that. Yes, we do. E I hear it. E-N-O-V-A. Anyway, uh, check them out online. Uh, schedule. You can do a one-time cleaning. You can schedule um, a, a series of cleanings. You can yeah. get on a, on a routine schedule. Uh, yeah, reach out and figure out what's work, what works best for you and your home. Save yourself some time, save yourself some money, save yourself a little bit of heartache like me, um, you know, cranking my neck under a sink and breaking a bowl and all these. Yeah, yeah. You know, came out to the house today uh, doing a great job. We love it. We love to see it and get your time back. That's probably the most important yeah. part of it, because now that the house is clean this week. You know what I get to focus on this weekend? Just relax. Not cleaning the house. That's the most important part. Uh, thanks to our friends over at Breaking Tea. Go check them out, breakingtea.com slash OG. I was at the NC State Carolina Carolina Classic Hockey Game at PNC Arena. I was rocking my bad for ratings hoodie. Kelly had the OG flag hoodie on. Had a couple people like, hey, man, like, is that what they look like? I go, yeah, that's what they look like. So head on over to breakingtea.com slash OG and get your merch today. And while you're there, do me a favor. If you're going to go to the website, look in our YouTube summary, look in our podcast summary. There is a direct referral link in there. Click on that link, and then everything that happens on that visit 
we get a cut of. So if you want one of our shirts, cool. But if you're a Carolina fan, go check out the cool Carolina stuff they got going on. If you're a Hurricanes fan, go check out the cool Carolina Hurricanes shirts. And then we'll get a little something for that. Helps the cause. So again, big thanks to breakingt.com slash OG for helping us out with the merch. Also, big thanks to Breeze Through for sponsoring Ovis and Jillia. Breeze Through, locations across the triangle, locations right there across from PNC Arena. And the most important thing, this revelation that Jillio just had, they've got gas. <laughs> all this time, um, I'm promoting all of the things that they do. And I'm like, wait a second. Oh, yeah. Gas. Hold up. That's right. I forgot that that's a thing that exists. Uh, they got a food truck as well. So be on the lookout for their food truck. They got really good stuff. Be on the lookout for potentially the food truck helping us out for a very special anniversary. Mm-hmm. Big thanks to Whitaker and Hamer. Be on the lookout for the fact that we might be doing this thing at Shady's, where we had the Tecmo Bowl tournament. Big thanks to Josh and the crew for helping us out for that. And if you've got any sort of legal needs, straight traffic ticket, head on over to wh.lawyer. Again, that's wh.lawyer. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline, my old friend Jason Fitz. He's with Yahoo Sports Football, Fox Sports Radio. He's a Vegas native. Yes, that that is a real thing that happens. Somebody who was born in Vegas. Jason, what's going on, man? You're back there for Radio Row. What's what's, what's going on? Man, I'm just, well, usually I'm living the dream. I'll be honest, y'all. Like, I I walked all the way to Radio Row this morning, realized I forgot my media credential, came back to the room. So we're here now instead of the ever so loud and cool vibe of Radio Row. But I, I, I will say tangent out of the gate. It is amazing to me as a kid that grew up in this city that the Super Bowl is in this city. Like a lot of people don't realize that there were gambling legislations that existed in the state of Nevada that prevented any local team based in the state from ever being gambled on. So that that didn't change until the early 2000s. So in the 80s, when I was a kid here, the NBA tried to move the Utah Jazz here and they couldn't figure that out because of gaming restrictions on gambling on they'd have to take them off the sports book and that wasn't going to work for anybody. So to have gone from where we were 20 years ago to the fact that now the biggest sports event in the world is in a city where frankly, there's action happening on it all over the place is to me stunning and humbling for as somebody that loves this place. Yeah. I mean, uh, you think about Jimmy, the Greek, and before he was problematic having to give, you know, I think they're going to win by seven <laughs> or I, not even that. Like it was, I think they'll win by enough. I don't think they'll win by enough. You know, it's, it's, it's wild just to see how, how much it's changed and to think, I'm, I'm sure Vegas itself, even in your lifetime, you're not all that old, Jason, um, even in your lifetime, how much Vegas itself has changed that there's an NFL stadium there and an NFL team there and that they can host the Super Bowl. Yeah, and the fact is, whether the A's get it worked out or not, I still think baseball ends up in Vegas in the next five years, whether it's expansion of the A's. And, uh, you know, I've had enough NBA insiders tell me that the NBA is coming here for sure, that they'll all be here. And I think it's, it's, it's funny when you talk about stigmas. Like, if you just rewind 10 years ago and think about walking into a party and having a buddy saying, okay, so I got a prop on Pacheco number of carries. I got a prop on number of catches, but like you'd look at your buddy and be like, do you have a problem? Like what, what's, and now we look over and we're like, Oh man, I do too. Like everybody, you start, people are going to start the Super Bowl by figuring out if they're going to bandwagon bets together. Like that's the world that we live in now. 
it, it is crazy to me too, as you were talking about how it used to be in Las Vegas when it comes to sports and how it is now. I mean, I remember when Tony Romo wasn't allowed to do like an NCAA tournament preview show, if I remember correctly. Like it was a thing that you could not speak. And it's something that Joe and I talk about all the time. There's an old stigma of Vegas, but Vegas, it's not, Vegas doesn't look the way it looks because they're messing around. <laughs> they they want to make sure that what you're putting money down is legit. And what do you like to say, Joe? If if the bookies ran oh, the man. world, everything would be much better if and efficient. Yeah, if the casinos ran the world, we'd all be better off. Yeah, that's one thing that I always remind, because my mom was actually uh, the first woman to be a manager in a casino when I was a kid in Vegas history. She was the first woman to get maternity leave. It never, when she was pregnant with me, it never happened. And <laughs> you, you like... You want to make my mom, who was like at one point, she was quite famous back in the day in, in the Vegas lore because she kicked the entire Dolphins football team out of a casino for whistling at a cocktail waitress. She was like, "That's that doesn't happen on my watch." Like my mom, small woman, very like does not mince words. You want to really tick off my mom? All you got to do is start can like just even implying that the gaming world is fixed because there are so many commissions involved. There's so many different laws involved, like the regulations. It is so wildly regulated. I just don't think people like it, conspiracy theories. They're lazy for the most part anyway. But any about the casinos getting involved in these things, particularly lazy. You're much safer putting your money with a sports book than you ever, ever will be with your uncle's buddies, friends and friends, cousin. <laughs> I have to laugh like all pioneers and all greats. Your mom did the, the smartest thing possible. She gave you a violin. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that is it. So also part of this life. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, both of my parents tone deaf, like wow, there's no musical ability anywhere in my family. And uh, so, you know, I, I was the rare, definitely the black sheep. I haven't found out if the mailman had any musical talent, but I look a lot like my dad. So I don't think so, but I, I don't know, man. I'm just saying that somewhere like, you know, it was our next door neighbor that was trying to give my mom piano lessons when they got a piano when I was a kid. And he had played for Elvis in Vegas back in the day. And so like, that's where I started. I would crawl up on the piano by ear and I'd play, play, you know, what they were trying to teach. So that's how I got into music as a kid. I, I'm still wondering though, like, should I go back and try and find him and find out maybe, you know, maybe yeah, he and my mom. Maybe there was some maybe the divinity. I don't know. I, I got no, no idea. And Gilio just referenced it, you know, what happens in Vegas. And this is where I'm getting FOMO, right? Like I got Facebook feeding me, hey, eight years ago, you were in San Francisco for the Panthers Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I've been, to, I've been to four Super Bowl radio rows. So when I start popping on social media and I see the opening night, I see the, I see the scene and the spectacle and everything else, I'm getting a little bit of FOMO. But the reason why it's really kicking in for me is because I want to see what that place looks like in Vegas. Every town's got a place where you can go party. Hey, I went to the Super Bowl in New York. It never sleeps no, in New York, you right? You did not go to the Super Bowl in New York. You went to the Super Bowl in New Jersey. This is true, but the Radio Row was in New York. It was okay. not far from Times Square. Yeah, it's New York. You've been in New York. You can do your thing. You can get any of your stuff. But Vegas is built different, man. They don't want clocks. They don't want windows. They never want you leaving. And I really would love to see Radio Row on Friday morning. After like a week's worth of all of this, what Friday morning and how everybody's dragging. You're perky. You got like Vegas is nothing to you. But for people who never get to go there, whoo, I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. No, last night, 10 o'clock local, I just looked at everybody and I said, I'm out. 
I'm done. I'm going up to the roof because every night you can get in bed before 11 p.m. in Vegas is a win, right? Like that is an absolute win. And you're right. Like uh, just somebody was just laying out for me uh, yesterday, not even the clubs because the clubs all have DJs. But I think it's Friday night here that Bruno Mars, Kelly Clarkson, Black Crows and uh, Luke Combs are all playing within one casino of each other. And that's just the ones we know about. Like, I, I don't even, the, the funny thing is everybody asks me, cause I know a lot of people here. Oh, party party. I'm like, I don't have the pull to get into any of these parties. Like the parties here are for people that make a level of money that I don't even understand. I cannot comprehend. So I think what's interesting is the spectacles there, but most of us that are staying like most of the media here, I think we're going to find ourselves wildly shut out mm. of what's going on because there are real people that they actually want to get into like Gatorade ain't clamoring to have me in their party when they can get actual celebs there. You're stuck going to Excalibur to go see the dinner show. Is that what you're talking Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, Excalibur is like one one hotel. Like, like, I mean, they put the Luxor, right? Are you yeah, they, in the Luxor? Yeah, I'm in the Luxor. Some of us are in the Excalibur. And then like the ESPN folks are spread. It's funny, too, because a lot of people just look at a map of the strip and they're like, oh, this is going to be great. And one of my buddies that works for ESPN, so that we're close, was like, oh, yeah, I'm right down at the Paris. So I'll just walk to the Mandalay Bay where everything's happening. And I'm like, you ain't going to walk. Like, I don't care what you saw on a map. You are not going to walk from the Paris all the way down to the Mandalay Bay Convention Center, which is on the other side of Mandalay. And he's yeah. like, yeah, it's not going to be a big deal. Yesterday, pouring rain in the 40s, he texted me. He's like, you're right. I'm waiting for an Uber. Like, I told you. This is the way it's going to happen all week. And then they're surcharging all that stuff, too. So the ever so cheap people are like, ah, I, I can't walk it. You can't do it. Yeah, I remember uh, when we did a trip out to the Grand Canyon and I was looking for cheap. The kids were younger, so we needed like that reset day for the flight before we, we went off to the Grand Canyon. And the Luxor prices on Expedia were like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. The reviews were terrible, but then, of course, you get the resort fees. That's where they get you in Vegas, man, the resort fees. Oh, they, they offered me an upgrade when I checked in and it was $8 a day to get into the premier room, whatever, like the nicer tower. So I was like, all right, I don't make, I'll make Yahoo pay eight bucks a day. I think that's sure. worth it. Right. I walked into the room and I was like, Oh, upgrade. Okay. Uh, sure. It's just, they're not all built the same. Like it's, it's fine. It's fine. But you know, then everybody says it's Vegas. You're barely in your room. And I'm like, that's the problem. Y'all I'm here for eight days. I need to be in my room. Like this yeah. is the only way I maintain sanity. All right, a little bit of football. Um, I, I find it hilarious that the Chiefs have convinced themselves and a good chunk of people that they're somehow underdogs this season. I, I just think it's hilarious that people are discounting Patrick Mahomes in all the times he's proven people wrong, including Julio. I, I think to that end, one thing that surprised me about media last night is not only they came out with a chip on their shoulder mm -hmm. and they came out with this, everybody hates us thing. Now it's like the world is rooting against us. Like they did the Patriots. And I'm like, look, I'm a Raiders fan. So of course I'm never going to root for the chiefs, but did I miss some big narrative? That's truly anti, like I've never seen anything like Travis Kelsey's spot on media row last night. I talked to, I talked to a couple of different people that have gone to this repeatedly. And one reporter said to me that it was the largest crowd he's ever seen for a non quarterback at opening night was mm -hmm. for Kelsey because of the Taylor Swift thing. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, so you think the world hates you yet people were lined up at your spot an hour before you even had the opportunity to talk because they wanted to have frontline access to you. Like Andy Reid's out here doing chicken nug commercials that we all love. And like the, the great googly moogly commercials, like they've manufactured a chip on their shoulder, but I think they're actually a far more loved champion than I can remember in a long time. 
you have a prop for us. Uh, I, I'm now having flashbacks. I had Kenneth Gainwell last year to score the first touchdown in the game. It was like 33 to one, and they ruled him down and overturned it. And I've blacked out a lot of my losses, Jason, but sometimes they come rushing back to me at, at moments like this. Do you have a you have a prop for us to hit? I, uh, yeah, so the easiest prop in the world is Pacheco over rushing, not yards, rushing attempts. Okay. And he's hit the over rushing attempts every game in the playoffs. He hit the over and rushing attempts the last three games of the regular season. The oh, like the Chiefs are, d- despite what everybody wants to talk about, the Chiefs are basically a running football team. At this point, they're going to try to run the football with Pacheco, and it works for them. He's also hit the over in yards uh, the last three games in the playoffs too, but you can run on this San Francisco defense. I don't care about the names that are there. They're going to figure out. I think both of these football teams are actually going to run the ball a lot more than we expect, so I actually kind of like the under, as weird as that sounds for a Super Bowl, but I love Pacheco and the over on rushing attempts for sure. I see my prop here, uh, Jason, and, and I apologize for a little too much inside baseball here, but we care about NC State. And you may not know this, but Marquez Valdez Scantling actually began his career at NC State and pretty much dropped every pass that was ever thrown his way. And it is a miracle of the of the professional world that he is not only did he make it to the NFL, but is still in the NFL. So I see him at uh, 3,500, 35 to 1 to be the first touchdown scorer. So I think that's the one, the, that'll be the official OG gambling syndicate pick for the Super Bowl. That's a piece of money bet, right? Like you're just putting it out there and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. instead of a slice. I'll got Like I need to start calling that a Starbucks bet, but instead of Starbucks today, I'm just going to put right. money on that. And I will say, I thought it was funny that, you know, I, I had the opportunity last night to talk to a couple of the different receivers, not Rasheed because Rasheed went to the big podium. He's already a big podium guy, uh, yeah, but okay. the entire receiver group, every one you talked to was like, people have just been saying all year, how much we suck, you know, and we're you. a great room. And I'm like, maybe look in the mirror at this point. Like <laughs> it, it like if after Christmas, if I put on a little weight and I'm a little fluffy and my buddy comes up to me and says, hey, man, you got a little fluffy. That's not on the, my body. That's on me. Like I got fluffy. Like catch the damn ball. You don't want people to say you suck. Catch the ball. Idea. Yeah. That that tells me for as much as Taylor Swift has been around the Chiefs, they're clearly not listening to Midnight's and Antihero with the whole it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. That's why people are talking about you that way. We'll get out of here on this because um, the Grammys, it's all scripted. We know it's all scripted. The NFL is scripted. So Taylor Swift wins album of the year, her fourth. She breaks a record. She drops a new album. Everybody's reading everything into it. She's going to clearly be at the Super Bowl after her Tokyo stint and she'll fly X, Y, Z. Travis Kelsey is going to win the MVP, right? That's what this is. It's album of the year, new album. Travis Kelsey wins MVP and watch them get married right there on the field. It's all scripted, man. I feel like the MVP vote is actually a pretty smart one, though. I mean, think about it. Like, Kelsey's going to be the one guy that they go to over and over and over and get this. Like, I don't hate the MVP call on it. I don't know about the marriage portion of it. The, I think <laughs> well, they'd like to stretch the dough a little bit. Like, they'll wait until next uh, – like, they'll wait until Kelsey announces his new TV show, and then they'll do that there. Like, I feel like the Kelsey brothers are about to replace the Manning cast, right? Like, they're going to be cool with that. Is Golic Jr. okay, by the way, this week with everything that's going on? I mean, he he's been this – for a long time, you know, and so and it's funny because one of my close dear friends that I've known for 20 plus years is Taylor's drummer. And so the number of times like, and, and I knew him long before he was Taylor's drummer. And, you know, we we recently hung out we, as we were walking through. I was like, you realize that you are now drumming on this generation's Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like, say what you want about Taylor. I, I don't care whether somebody loves or hates. When you look at the stadiums and the way people like flock to the streets to just see the car drive by. 
That's this generation's Michael Jackson. So now all of a sudden you got, you know, you got Gojo out here. Uh, last night he dabbed up Kelsey after the game, which then put him six degrees of Taylor Swift. And the whole time I'm like, dude, maybe if you were nicer to me, I'd get to the intro because I know the drummer. But, you know, hey, I'm not doing Gojo any favors. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, you got you never know, man. You never know. All right, we're gonna get out of here in this. I know you gotta get to Radio Row. We appreciate the time as always. On the Grammys, I've been trying to find a way to articulate this, but I can't, and maybe you can. I feel like the Grammys, unlike any other award show, elevates above the Oscars, it elevates above the Emmys and the Golden Globes because and maybe the pandemic pushed the Grammys in this direction because they had no other choice but to just focus on the performances, right? And the other artists that are there and not have a general audience. And I feel like that translates now on the broadcast where Taylor is standing up for just about every song, dancing along. She knows every song. All the other artists are just freaking out because there's Stevie Wonder or there's this iconic performance with Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs. Or you've got uh, you also have, oh, Joni, Joni Mitchell, right? And that kind of feeds into the broadcast itself that you can't replicate with other award shows like musicians admiring other musicians. And there's only one way to do that. And that's to have those live performances. Right. Yeah, I think. And, you know, for me, the Grammys special, I've been a Grammy voter for years. And the one thing I would say with the Grammys is to your point, it's not one genre. It's all genres. Mm -hmm. And because it's all genres and because of the platform and the meaning it has, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So you know, when the band Perry played uh, the Grammys, uh, it was part of a Glenn Campbell tribute. So actually, like, ironically, because we were using Glenn Campbell's band, because that was a respectful thing to do, mm -hmm. I didn't get to play fiddle on that performance. And I will always look back at it and be like, dang, man, like that, because it just that's one of those that just means more. Like there are certain there are certain opportunities where you can go. And what they do with the Grammys is they come to you and they say, if you're the main performer that they want, they'll come in and say, we really want you to perform. What's your dream scenario, right? And so then you can look at your whole list and say, man, I would love to do this with this person. And they'll make that happen. And because the Grammys are so respected by, you mentioned Stevie Wonder, like the Grammys mean something to Stevie. They mean something to Justin Bieber, right? Like how many awards mean something to that many generations? So for everybody involved in it, like it is your chance to get to work with people that you'd never thought you'd work with. And what happens for some artists too, is that like, as they get older, their kids are such fans of some of the guys that are coming up and girls that are coming up that they want to do the collabs. I'll never forget uh, back when NSYNC was bigger, larger than life. Right. Uh, although that's a backstreet song when NSYNC was, was uh, huge. I grew up with one of the guys in NSYNC and I played the CMA awards the year that NSYNC uh, played with Alabama. They did. God must have spent a little more time right, with you on, right. with Alabama. And one of the Alabama guys, I was standing backstage with him and was like, my daughter has never thought I was cooler than I am right now because we're doing this performance with you. And I think sometimes we forget that that's like a real thing for artists as they elevate. A, they want to still be involved in the community. So that's huge. And B, they've got kids and grandkids that are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing that with this person. So it works for everybody. And I know it's a long, long rant. But the last thing I'll tell you is that like for Luke Combs to do that with Tracy Chapman, I, I want to remind everybody that we are the only country in the world that on radio rights only pays the songwriter. Mm -hmm. So when a song is played on the radio, the person that recorded it makes nothing. The writer makes the sixth sense every time it's on the radio. If it's on TV, that's different. But when it's on the radio, only the songwriter gets paid. So by Luke Combs cutting that Tracy Chapman song, she has made a boatload of money and 
he's introduced an entire new generation to an amazing artist, right? So he has filled her bank account, not that it needed help, but he has filled her bank account for free. He gets nothing out of it. And then he gets to collaborate with somebody that was an icon to him in a performance that makes the world see Luke a little differently, but also reminds an entire generation of how great Tracy Chapman is. Like that's the magic of the Grammys that comes from that. I'm glad you brought it up because it's bothered me ever since that became a hit. There's been, look, social media is an easy place to just get really riled up about stuff. But it bothered me in that people were looking at it as though he was stealing from Tracy Chapman. No, he was. That's what the whole point of a cover is. You love this song. You want to put your interpretation on it. But it wasn't even really his interpretation. It was like a really a one for one because he loved the song so much. And yeah, a lot of people know who Tracy Chapman is now in a new generation that never would have before. I I think it's great. Yeah. And every time Blue Suede Shoes is on the radio, Elvis's estate makes nothing. Carl Perkins' estate makes all of it. This is inside baseball. You mentioned Better Dig 2 was not written by anybody in the band Perry. So when Better Dig Big 2 was the number one song, it was written by a couple of the guys in Old Dominion. uh, Mm -hmm. And those Old Dominion guys made money. Every time it was on the radio, the band Perry made nothing. So for anyone that says that Luke Combs is stealing from Tracy Chapman, I would just educate them that every time that number one song was on the radio, Tracy Chapman made six sets, right? Like every single time it was ever played, she made the money. Luke Combs gets a donut, an absolute donut hole. He gets nothing out of that. So if anything, he chose to release a song that meant nothing for his wallet and everything for an icon and an idol to him. Like that's part of what makes Luke badass. It's funny. I was sitting here saying that uh, my Radio Row experience of trying to get guests could be cutthroat, but then I forget you're in the music business. You know what cutthroat <laughs> is. All right, man. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this is a cakewalk for you, dude. It's easy. All right, man. We appreciate it as always. Good catching up. Have fun the rest of the week and uh, have fun getting to bed at 10 o'clock in Vegas. You're the smart one. For now. Appreciate you, boys. Thanks for having me. Joe. Is, Joe. is Virginia back? Yes. Uh-oh. Everything's coming up in NC State. Uh-oh. Yeah. Remember, the big thing about net, it's not your net. It's your opponent's net. You also get credit for the teams that you beat. And if you're NC State, you want to see Virginia do well. Now, you don't want to see it at Miami's expense. <laughs> yeah, Miami's. <laughs> There's a couple things going on here in uh, in today's Miami. in today's ACC action, right? So Virginia is now sitting at nine and three in the conference uh, with a net of 42 uh, strength of record of uh, 32. Right. And they've won seven in a row. So yes. Dropping back to back games to state and wake. Yes. And because they've char- they started to claw back and their numbers are looking better. It helps them out, obviously, but it does help teams like NC state, which gets to the larger point and why conversations about the ACC and how many teams are getting the NCAA tournament are kind of silly right now because we don't have the, the full story. But there are some there are some holes in the arguments for the ACC. And I think there's also a misunderstanding of what's going on in that are there people online that are losing the plot over getting trolled about the ACC and questioning the numbers themselves as if they don't mean anything? No, 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 no. There is actual reason behind a lot of these numbers like Ken Palm and Bart Torvik and all these other metrics that college basketball fans use, right? The, the argument that I've at least been making, and I was on with Matt Norlander of CBS and Stephen Hartzell uh, for their College Sports Now podcast yesterday. Matt, Matt and I have been texting. He's like, hey, why don't you come on the pod? We can have this conversation. 
in podcast form. I think Matt's going to join us tomorrow to talk about that on, on our end of things. And I think some people <laughs> misinterpreted our conversation. Like Matt and I talked like Matt and I talk, right? And be like, oh man, you, you took it to Matt. I'm like, nah, this is how we talk. This is how we go back and forth. I've known Matt forever. And he and I both, we, we have a difference of opinion in just what exactly are we looking for in college basketball and why there is this bizarre need to tell you that the ACC isn't good. Like, why, why do people go out of their way to tell you the ACC is good? What's behind the scenes here? Because nobody's trying to tell you that this is vintage ACC. All we're trying to tell you is, let's not act like these numbers are the be-all, end-all. And let's not act like, despite the fact that the ACC has not been in the top three of conferences metrics-wise, that they don't produce in the NCAA tournament. If you're looking for a conference that's actually going to produce in the NCAA tournament, the random, random, random chaos generator, it's been the ACC with a lot of teams going to the Final Four, not just Duke and North Carolina, you know, Miami most recently. So there's a lot of nuance to this conversation. And I hope that as we get further along in February and you see teams like Virginia claw their way back. Now, here's the here's the curious one, Joe. Clemson. I was going to say, Clemson and Miami were two teams who I thought performed well out of the league. And now they've gotten into league play mm -hmm. and they've just kind of soiled themselves to the point where they're, you know, I think ultimately five ACC teams will make the NCAA tournament. Clemson needs tonight. Oh, God. Yeah. Badly. Clemson, Clemson needs like everything. But Clemson's also, the reason why I brought up Clemson, not only is it for teams that had a pretty strong start to the season and they haven't really done much in conference play, Clemson's actually the team that I would use. Mm -hmm. I mean, Clemson still has, they still get State, they still get Syracuse, they still play Miami. But I mean, here's my still, thing about still Clemson. Games in front of them to me. Here's my Wake. thing about Clemson. Clemson is funny in that Clemson, is the very kind of team that gets lauded in other conferences. Yes, because they went out and won outside of the league. So now Alabama, South Carolina, TCU, Boise State. I mean, you might not, you might raise an eyebrow to Boise State, but that's a good win. Yeah. <laughs> so what I find interesting about the Clemson discussion is that because they did the thing out of conference, they should actually be the example of this is what you want. But now that they've fallen off, and look, losing to Louisville is not great. Louisville, Georgia Tech, yes. those are stingers. Yes. And I guess that's the ultimate argument. And that's where Matt Both and I... Both at home. Yikes. And that's where Matt and I do agree on this particular topic. And we'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow. The biggest problem with the ACC is that the bottom of the ACC is so bad that it ends up screwing teams like Clemson if you lose. That's what it ultimately is about. Yeah, I mean, statistically, you're saying they're bad. Statistically, they're I, bad. I don't think we could argue another day about Louisville and Notre Dame. That's fine. <laughs> we could do it tomorrow with Matt, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but Georgia Tech is right there on the bottom with them, and they have wins over Duke and Carolina. Now, Carolina is not going to fall off against Clemson. Now, now <coughs> would Hubert do one for the league? Here's a gimme. No. I mean, the, current, the, the thing has already happened with Clemson. Clemson's already won there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you had all that. So no. that's that's out the window. You don't no. have to worry about carrying that streak ever again. Yeah, I, like a little bit of a gimme to Clemson to get them in the in the right in the right spot for the NCAA tournament, right? A little something for you. No, because as we've discovered, thanks to our friend Josh Goodson, Clemson basketball is <laughs> NC State football. <laughs> North Carolina is not going to do anything to help that version. Speaking of uh, speaking of Carolina, uh, I was informed that the appearance I had with Norlander and Hartzell made its way to Inside Carolina on the basketball premium. 
in a good way or a bad way? That's see, I don't know. I don't subscribe to premium. Okay. So we'll have to ask Adam. It, it, it shows up. Joe Ovius goes after Norlander and national guys about ACC. Again, I don't know if I went after Norlander. We just had a spirited discussion. So it's got like 56 comments and I'm thinking, Oof. there's an ovaries in there. It's okay. It happens. That, that's that. There's, this is why they got fired. There's a, this is an over, there's an ovaries and a giggles in there. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. No doubt. So I texted the person I knew who would screen grab some things for me. There's several people that could do it, but I knew there was somebody who would be right there ready to go. I'll let you guess who it is. I'm sitting here. I'll let you guess who that is. Don't, don't name them. No, I know. Don't name this person because I don't want to out them. But there are several people that I could have texted. Person for sure, but I don't know. So, oh, the big dog could help. Well, he used to work there. I know he used to work there. Yeah. So anyway, I, I texted a couple of people saying, "Hey, man, I, I don't have premium. Please tell me there's an ovaries in there. Like, like I can't. I come on. Like, there's no way there's a rational discussion taking place on the premium board, right? And the 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 screen grab that got me. This was great. This is from a guy named Casey Icewater. Ovias and the Raleigh media, quote unquote, journalists that fed the anti UNC narrative to the national media from 2010 to 2017." are responsible as anybody for the devaluation of the ACC as an institution. We did it, Joe. We did it. We're the reasons why the ACC is in the position that it's in. We are. Not not adding schools that don't need to be added. No, 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 no. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not the problem. It's not Miami. Hiring bad coaches. It's not Miami only making it to one ACC championship game only get clowned by Clemson. That has nothing to do with it. No, 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 no. And yes, to your point, a series of bad coaching hires. No, Joe. It was us. Should I should I update my Twitter bio? The reason why the ACC is devalued as a product? Yes. Is the light good? Well, I, I worry sometimes. You make me conscious a lot. <laughs> I think about it. I want you to be happy with the lighting. Okay. Sometimes you're self-conscious. Sometimes you're not. Like yesterday, you're self-conscious about the goop. I went for a goop today. You went for goop today? Yeah. The problem is I have goop here. I just don't have goop at home right now. You need the organic stuff. Your hair never looked better. The eucalyptus. Yeah. When you drop 20 bucks on goop. 30. 30. Was 30. Wow. That's when we were living high off the hog. Those weren't, the, those weren't the podcast I, I never, days. I never expensed the $30 this scoop. <laughs> no. In retrospect, you should have. Uh, yeah. Big thanks to Homefield for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Check them out, homefieldapparel.com. They just dropped a bunch of great Carolina stuff, a bunch of great Duke stuff, and a bunch of great state stuff now that we're in the middle of basketball season. If you haven't used that promo code yet, do it right now. If you've been waiting on something fl- some something fire, they got plenty of fire on the website, OG23. Yeah, the, the jackets are sold out. Yeah. Oh, I was going to get yeah. either a Carolina even or a state and sold out, man. So go, go find something you like and get it because their supply... Sometimes, you know, when they have good stuff, it'll go. Also, big thanks to Hometown Realty for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Check them out, myhtr.com. Interest rates are getting lower, right? You're, you're heading into spring. It's going to start being buyer's time. You want to beat the frenzy, and that's where Hometown Realty can help you out. I see all this new construction on my way through down, down into downtown and through downtown. It's amazing. You want to get in on those deals. The best thing to do is go with the experts. Go to myhtr.com. I sell calculate. 
Joining us on the Easter Automotive Group Hotline, Luke DeCock, columnist, news and observer, hockey and football in this conversation. All right, Luke, you ready for this? Yeah, just, you know, we get out, we get past the first Duke Carolina game. It's college basketball season. No, it, yeah, but that game was kind of a damp squib anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was. And I think there's just, I think, what's the, what is even the point of watching ACC basketball, right? Because it's just the ACC tournament winner that's going to be heading to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's them. And you know, I think they're going to have to go to Dayton against the big South winner. <laughs> Probably. <too>. Probably. <laughs> UNC and Dayton against AC- uh, Richmond and the. People have been asking, hey, 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 why hasn't Jim Phillips been fighting for the ACC in basketball? You know, the perception issue. I'm like, no, 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 no. Jim Phillips is too busy. ACC commissioner is too busy fighting for SMU's revenue share in the college football playoff. That is what is preoccupying his time, apparently, according to Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports, as the bizarre-ass college football playoff negotiations are taking place. And I'm sitting here going, like, how does the Pac-2 have – well, you know what? What's actually dumber? Jack Swarbrick having a big say in what's happening with the college football playoff or the Washington state president. Yeah. I, you know, the, this is gets back to college football ruins everything and college football makes everybody stupid. It's there's so much money involved now that it's almost like a, a bankrupt corporation where everybody's trying to get their little piece and there's trustees and there's, you know, hearings and it's just, I, you know, I, it's I, the idea that all this is happening at the same time that the Dartmouth basketball players have won their hearing and now, you know, this is all going to get appealed, but for the moment are deemed employees of Dartmouth, which honestly, I, this is, you know, the, the, from my, you know, yeah, whatever, this is a Luke thing, but oh, it's nice to see Dartmouth basketball. Here comes the pen guy. Nice to see Dartmouth basketball win something for a change. <laughs> I mean, literally, historically, one of the worst programs in the country. So it's fitting with how stupid college sports is that Dartmouth would be the one to break this dam. Um, but th- there's so much money in this that, yes, Dartmouth basketball players are employees. And, yes, football and men's basketball and probably women's basketball and probably men's hockey players are employees. Um, because if you tell someone what to do with their time and then they perform a service for you, they are an employee. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that all this, this ridiculousness with the college football playoff, which, by the way, controls all the money in college football. None of it goes to the NCAA. Like we have to keep reminding people of this. NCAA runs a basketball tournament, actually does it pretty well, makes a good penny off it. College football has the CFP, which is not run particularly well, can never get the schedule right, um, can't make its own decisions, and yet gets to keep all the money, which it doles out to the conferences, et cetera, et cetera, which is why the SMU getting promoted to the Power Five, um, it became such a big deal because when the Big 12 schools went to the uh, – the new Big 12 schools got a full share of CFP revenue. SMU, for some reason, does not. And as you mentioned earlier, why the Pac-12 still gets a vote in this is insane. Yeah, this is from Ross Dellinger on social media from Yahoo Sports. CFP commissioners did confirm their overall support for a move from the 6-6 six and six model, which is before the Pac-12 imploded, to a 5-7 and seven model, which makes a lot more sense. The matter is now on the CFP Board of Presidents, which will further explore the matter. Pac-12's proposal at a virtual meeting later. He also added that the commissioners wrapped up their CFP meeting in Dallas. Bill Hancock says that they have reached a compromise on SMU's Power (laughs) 5 revenue distribution. Commissioners made a recommendation to the board for SMU to receive some sort of distribution, but not the full Power 5 amount. I know it's been reported that the Big 10 and the SEC were the ones that had the most to say about SMU getting a cut because they didn't want the president of these group of five teams moving up into the 
power four and acting as though they can get all the money. That's great that the Big Ten and the SEC feel that way because they have their own thing going on. They're super alliance. I'm more curious at the next ACC spring meetings in Amelia Island, Florida, if the Florida State folks don't show up to the SMU folks like going, okay, boys, you got that six mil? Because that's our money. What, don't you think they're going to get together and say, hey, now do you see what we're talking about? ACC doesn't get a full share or anything. We don't get a CFP bid for our conference champion. We don't get a full bid when our teams come up, unlike the Big 12 schools. Yeah. I mean, the precedent was set. The yeah. Big 12 schools got a full share, the new ones. So mm-hmm. this isn't about setting precedents. It's about setting the precedent that the ACC is a second-tier league. Again, which again. is what we've been doing for nine months now. Again, again. And I don't know where this Big Ten SEC thing is headed uh, as a voting block to try to get their way. But clearly, clearly, Jim Phillips is you know punching branded ACC couch cushions in Charlotte because they basically took his thing and remixed it to themselves. And look at, if you, if you go back to the Alliance, the Alliance was created because the SEC and Notre Dame tried to push through the original five, or, uh, you know, the original five and seven or whatever it was, college football playoff um, format, which was very convenient for an expanded SEC and Notre Dame. It was trying to slide that under the door before the Oklahoma and Texas news broke. Um, and the alliance was created to put a pause on that. It was a voting block to say, no, we're not going to let Sankey and Swarbrick dictate to us what this is going to look like. Ironically, then the Big Ten obviously stabbed the alliance in the back. And now the Big Ten is aligned with the SEC to push through a playoff format that serves the Big Ten and SEC. So what we're all oh, this is basically just survivor. It's mm-hmm. football survivor. And, Gre- and, and Greg Sankey is going to win in the end. And it's just a question of who's in his alliance um, at the end. And for a while, the ACC had sort of built the, you know, triple entente to the battle against the the big bad SEC, but the SEC is going to get its way in the end. And it's just a question of, can they talk the big 10 into uh, dictating terms that are amenable to these two super conferences or will in the end, the big 12's interests be divergent enough from the SEC that they start fighting with each other. And then everyone else can kind of scramble and then pick up the pieces in the end. This is the most important thing. I think I don't care. Go figure it out. I see if he's going to happen. Like, stop fighting over nickels. This is the biggest problem in college football and college sports is people get caught up in these stupid little penny ante disputes. Well, Dartmouth's out getting becoming employees. Like, that's what you should be worried about. Yes. Not who gets into the college football playoff or whether SMU gets 20 million or 10 million or whatever. That's all going to work out in the wash in the end. You should be worried about, hey, courts, state legislatures, other schools are out doing things. You should be finding a way to collectively bargain with employees, not fiddling over the, the CFP, which may not even exist in 10 years, because the players are going to have a seat at the table. And guess what? They're not going to want to play 17 games. So why are we wasting all our time with this? So much to be done. So little work being done by and those so in few power. people with the brain power to do it. No, because they have to have a committee first. And then they have to have a working group. They don't sure. want to give up what they have. No. Is yes. Well, that's the oldest thing is the hardest thing in the world to convince something of someone, someone of something when it's in their financial interests not to be convinced. And I think there are ADs out there who get this and who really want to move forward, but they can't because they'd be, you know, it's like pulling a train uphill by yourself. Um, there has to be a consensus. There has to be some a groundswell of support. So instead of doing that, because there isn't, they're wasting their time on the stupid CFP. I mean, the CFP stuff is so stupid. There's so much money to go around, sort it out, fix this stuff, move on to the important stuff. But 
these people get paid not to move on to the important stuff. I mean, that's literally been Randy Woodson's stewardship of athletics at NC State. <laughs> Hit the Luke Bingo card on that one. <laughs> I, I, I had great moments in Joe Luke uh, newspaper days history. I started the week that way. If we could transition to hockey. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, Your adventure of a Rod Burnamore story. Rod Burnamore's divorce story, if you missed uh, Monday's podcast, Luke, was a doozy. Um, Jim Rutherford, one of your old friends, uh, since we're seeing Vancouver tonight. Well, how did... I do not think of Jim Rutherford as a just add water guy. What the hell is going on with the Canucks that all of a sudden they look like real cup contenders, at least points wise. This, yeah, I don't know what they are or not, but they're having a great year. Um, this is a classic Jimmy. This is the same thing he did. Honestly, it's the same thing he did here. It's the same thing he did in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You can't go get great players. Well, this is, I shouldn't say Pittsburgh. It's some like, Pittsburgh, Hold on. They had, no, 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 that was ag water. That was, hold on a second. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. But there are similarities. We'll get to that. Okay. You're not going to be able to go out and get superstars or great players. So you go out and get guys who fit what you want to do. And what he's done in a very trader Jimmy kind of way is make a ton of moves. And what he's done is gotten rid of guys who didn't fit and brought in guys who did fit, reshaped the coaching staff, reshaped the, the organizational structure, brought in a GM to do all the you know dirty work who seems to be doing a pretty good job. But it's a Jimmy thing. Okay, we can't get Ray Bork, but we'll get Glenn Wesley. And we can't get Mario Lemieux, but we'll get Ron Francis. And we can't get Sergei Fedorov, but we'll get Rod Brindam. Like, we're going to bring in guys who fit what we do, who we can get. And we're going to move out guys like Primo, although that was certainly not Jimmy's choice. We're going to move out guys who don't fit. And what we're going to do is spend money on character where we can't on skill. And then when we can get skill, and certainly the Canucks have some skill, um, you know, we'll build around that. So I think it's actually very similar to the sort of build of the 0206 Hurricanes. What's similar with Pittsburgh is the moving out guys who don't fit, moving in guys who do fit, and building around that core. Now, obviously, the core in Pittsburgh is like, you know, built out of adamantium. But yeah, on, Vancouver and, and Carolina are a little different. You've got to build more structure around those skilled players. I think that's what he's done. And here's the other thing. In an era of hockey where every GM will tell you, oh, you know, uh, it's so hard to make a trade, salary cap, and other GMs don't want to make deals and they're scared of all that. Jimmy's basically just like, working the phones, I'll take yeah. this guy. You t-. For some reason, there's one GM, and maybe Lou too, there's one GM who doesn't have trouble making trades in this environment. So I, I, I hesitate sometimes to say it's the environment. Um, it's difficult to make a trade. Jim Rutherford, in the pre-salary cap era, in the early salary cap era and what we're now probably is the late salary cap era has never had problems making deals. And he's done it. He's made some misses, obviously like I thought the Jan Lovich trade was a great trade. It was an abject disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he's had some misses in Vancouver too, but for the most part, he's gotten rid of guys that he, that didn't fit brought in guys who do fit and done it in a way that's maximized his assets. So I actually think it's a pretty classic Jimmy build. Um, maybe his fingerprints are a little more on the outside of it because Patrick Alvin's been doing a little more of the heavy lifting, but there's things that don't show up like in a transactions column in terms of how you're organized, how you scout, how you structure, how you structure your salary cap. That's all Jimmy stuff. His fingerprints are all over that. Don Waddell is not Jim Rutherford. Um, when it comes to the Carolina hurricanes, when we chatted with Waddell last week and the way that he talked about the goalies, it certainly got me off of my idea that, oh, you never know. Maybe they make a trade or, or whatever it is. Again, given history with the Canes, with uh, 
with Tom Dundon and Don Waddell, given how they've talked about the return of Peter Kochekov, they believe in Ranta despite the ups and downs. And then there's the optimism of Freddie Anderson uh, now that he's resumed on ice activities. I guess you're just going to double down on this trio and let it ride. I don't see them making any sort of trade uh, once March 8th rolls around. No, I, I could see them making a couple deals to maybe add a defenseman or a forward further down the lineup, but I certainly don't see, you know, what we might have thought in early December. Look, in early December, when Freddie's situation was more uncertain, when Ronta looked like he totally lost it, and when Kachekov was up and down, mm-hmm. I think there was an imperative to that that you were going to have to make a deal for a goalie at some point. At that time, as we've talked about ad nauseum now the market wasn't very good in terms of what people were asking for goalies and the goalies who were available didn't help much or had terrible contracts. But what they've done is, and and over the last really, I guess two months now um, they've, they've weathered that storm and come out the other side where they say, okay, we're better off with these guys, especially if Freddie can get back in some kind of, you know, game shape, we're better off with these guys than we are making a move. I, I, the risk with that. And again, Part of that is when you look at the guys out there, there isn't someone who you say, there isn't that rental, there isn't that Patrick Waugh out there. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, hey, uh, you know, we can go get a 31-year-old Marc-Andre Fleury and drop him in. There isn't that plug-and-play guy. You know, is John Gibson with his gargantuan contract that's going to be an anchor on, on you for the next couple of years, is he better than Kachekov or Ranta or a healthy Anderson? I, I don't know that he is. Certainly not worth giving up assets for. Certainly that's the case with Montreal's goalies who they've, they've held out for an extravagant price for those guys. I do think, however, so yeah, goalie, I think they're just going to let it ride. Is that the right move given what's out there? You know, this is where Jimmy would say, wow, I think we can get so-and-so and, you know, bring in Kevin Weeks or whatever. Some guy. Yeah, no I think, I think it's the goal. right move at this point. I've, I've yeah. again, I've completely come around on this. I think it's the right move at this point. Uh, you don't, you know what you'd have to give up. Like we're, we're talking about Jim Rutherford, right? I know Kane's fans had this, you know, apple of my eye cream in my coffee for Elias Lindholm, right? Bring him home, bring Lindholm home yet. You know, you, you see what that deal had to be, right? Yeah. There's a lot of parts to that. Yeah, they did. They did. Montreal got a first round pick for Sean Manahan, Monahan coming and going like that's right. old. That's like what Jimmy used to do. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't see the Canes. I don't see the Canes doing that because we've all discussed this, that they make their big splashes in the offseason. History shows you they're not necessarily doing something at the deadline. And if they do, it's like at this point, what do you get for Tony D'Angelo? Right. I know they've been shopping Tony D'Angelo, but what do you get for Tony D'Angelo yeah. in this market? Well, and maybe you swap Tony D'Angelo for a different defenseman, you know, someone who can help your team, which is kind of what the the rumored deal with Minnesota was. Like, you got a guy who doesn't fit. We got a guy who doesn't fit. Right. Let's do a change of scenery deal. I do with think, Tony D'Angelo, real quick, with Tony D'Angelo, where has he ever fit other than Carolina? Well, there's that. <laughs> so, there's anyway. Canes are 11-2-1 and one since losing the game before Christmas, which I still yeah. think Rod is crushed over. <laughs> the Islanders game. When you well, when you hear him talk, he yeah, talked about that game. Like, oh, yeah. like the Arizona game the other day, he was like, well, we won't have another Islander situation where we <laughs> got to go into the break and worry about that and, you know, sit up at night and watch, do some Kaiser chops and, and watch some <laughs> video. <laughs> uh, but as, as I said earlier, I, I do think there's a potential for a depth move. You know, those haven't really worked out. I mean, I guess Max Domi scored the goal against the Bruins, so you got to give him that. Um, you know, Jesse Pugliarvi was a 
wet fart. And there just wasn't much going on with some of these guys they brought in. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a guy out there who can skate and fits their system. Um, you know, like they kind of already have Brendan Lemieux obviously hasn't played very much and doesn't necessarily fit their system. But I think, mm-hmm. especially if you end up in a more heated playoff series where Rod's not going to play the fourth line much anyway, could end up being an asset. Like it doesn't hurt to have a guy who's a little bit of a, uh, a loose cannon out there. Um, so I, you know, but I think maybe a defenseman, so you don't end up like in a Max Lajoie situation, like in 2021, wouldn't be surprised if they added sort of a veteran guy or two on a low deep, like an expiring contract or whatever, without obviously paying that big rental price. Hey, look, Max Domi will always have a legacy here on somebody's backside. Shout out to JC Bobbitt, I believe is the Canes fan who got a Max Domi tattoo again too. From yeah. the Game 7 goal scorers. Got to yeah. get those goal scorers. Get the tattoo on your backside. Luke Dukat, columnist, news and observer. We appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you later. All right. See you guys. Big thanks to Butcher's Market for sponsoring Ovias and Gilio. Uh, had an email from a listener. It was an email or, or a tweet or something that said, oh, it was a, yeah, it was a tweet. Went in on a Valentine's Day deal with Butcher's Market. All set, ready to go. Perfect. Great move. Anything you go in there and you find, you will enjoy. I promise. They got the best stuff there. Steak sandwiches. Everyone was a big winner last week for the Sleek Fleet OG Live. You can do the same. Go check them out. Lake Boone, go to the home course there, the home the home base over on uh, Millbrook and Falls of the Noose. Holly Springs, you name it, they're there. Go find your lo- your nearest one and enjoy. Also, big thanks to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. Got an email from Mosquito Authority saying, hey, it's almost time because before you know it, it's going to be getting warmer. You're going to be hanging outside and mosquitoes want to make their return unless you've got Mosquito Authority that can help you out with those issues along with Pest Authority. Check them out, bugsbite.com. Bundle and save, Joe. It's funny. You you got an email. I went outside, was taking out the garbage. My neighbor went to the dump, so I had some stuff that I dragged around the house and I noticed in the ground the termite set the protection. It's so like, it's like a trap. It's like a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, that's what that is. My people at mosquito authority taking care of me. They could take care of you. Go check them out. It's bugsbite.com. Also big thanks to Matt Davis, insuregarner.com, the OG insurance.com. We're talking about making sure that your home's set, right? You know, with pest authority and uh, mosquito authority, but you also want to get it insured. You, you want to make sure that you're saving money on that insurance too. Great coverage, but saving money. And that's where State Farm comes in with Matt Davis. Yeah, have a conversation. 919-779-8277. Give him a call. Do like our gold star listener, Troy. Save yourself some money. Give him a call. That's all you, all you got to do is ask. Luke could not help himself with that Dartmouth joke. I was waiting for it. Dartmouth, Cornell, usually the ones who catch strays in the, well, isn't, the isn't, Ivy circles. Isn't the joke with Cornell that the first rule of having gone to Cornell is you have to tell people you went to Cornell? I think I was. I think that was the whole bit on with Andy in the office too, because he's a he was a Cornell grad. I don't know. We'll, maybe we'll bring that up with Luke next week. All right, let's get out of here on some hey Joe questions. Uh, and really, it's just a a collective hey, Joe, because this has been making the rounds on social media. I've seen it pop up. Some people have sent it to us. So I figured we could just close on focus on this particular thing. What's up with ECU boosters giving money to a quarterback to go play for NC State? 
This was a great tease by Pirate Radio. Shout out to Troy D and the crew over at Pirate Radio. Yeah. They had Holton Ailers on. He's from around here, right? Greenville. If I remember correctly, he's from Greenville. And uh, the tease was Holton Ailers be- on being told not to go to ECU. Now, a little bit of context here. Remember, ECU was in the bad place for a while. In the bad place. And here's what Ailers had to say on Pirate Radio. Wait, hold on a second. Let me try this again. World, no. Um, about how bad ECU was off when Ruff left. And now, look, Coach Mo, he didn't do a great job. But whoever stepped in that role, if it wasn't Nick Saban, they were – I'll explain the story. They were not in for a good um, – they weren't in good for a good setup, obviously. I mean, ECU fans were pissed. So about a week before signing day, um, one of the biggest ECU boosters reached out to me, reached out to my dad, wanted to go to lunch with me and my dad. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll go like, hey, I've been to some uh, – some lunches and dinners with boosters before on these ACC schools. You know, I know, I knew what that, what that meant. Um, <laughs> you guys can guess what you want to mean or not, but I knew what that meant. So I'm like, all right, you know, let's go. I didn't know ECU rolled like that, but I'm going to go uh, meet with him. So I remember where it was. I'm not going to say his name, but he was one of, a lot of people would know who it is. He was, he at the time was top three ECU boosters, had a lot of pool, not just at ECU, but around North Carolina and went to lunch with him thinking it's going to be about NIL under the rug. And it ended up being him literally for the entire lunch telling me not to go to ECU because it was way worse than what people think it is. And he was telling me to go an hour and a half down the road to NC State. (laughs) I mean, it could only be one booster, right? (sighs) Feels like it. There's only one, dude. Feels like it. Feels, yeah. Um, it was a Murphy. Interesting. Interesting, though. Yeah. Because that would have been around the time, you know, Dave at Northern Illinois, mm-hmm. Dave Doran, had Jordan Lynch. Yeah. He's a runner. And everyone was like, oh, State's going to get, you know, this type of this type of guy, right? Quarterback. I remember that. And, you know, yeah, then they had, then they ended up with like Jacoby Brissett. You know, Dave was never shy about even the times they played ECU about how he, his admiration for Holt Nailers and how he had recruited them. And, mm-hmm. you know, had that was the type of quarterback who he'd always kind of been interested in. Do the Murphys have like connects with? Well, ECU. there is a Murphy Center at ECU. Yes. Yeah. And obviously you have the Murphy, the Center, Murphy Center at State. State. And I'm pretty sure that the luxury suites slash press box at App State. Oh, it's like Murphy's kid, his daughter, UNC Wilmington, because that's how Keats kind of sort of ended up here. That's right. <laughs> right. So they got the whole state. So he's, whew, I mean, if we're talking about influence across the state, I mean, maybe that's what he means. Goodness gracious. I feel like there's an entire podcast series about how the Murphy family runs football in this state. If you really think about it, right? But I mean, if you really think about it, just a, just a thought. Look, I made this joke before, but when Harrison Ingram crashed into the boards at NC State at PNC Arena and he crashed into Wendell Murphy. I'm like, buddy, that better not be the check writing hand because State is effed if that happens. I mean, thankfully, Wendell Murphy's okay and I think you were there in the breezeway. I can't remember if you were with me. It was like a game later we saw him, yeah. In the breezeway and Wendell Murphy had come. He's an incredibly nice man. I mean, you cannot find a nicer man. And he was making jokes about his hand and stuff like that. So he's, he's perfectly fine. All right. To the YouTube comments real quick. I wanted to read this to you from, I believe, another UNC fan. 
totally agree with Jillio about Baycott. I've been watching Carolina since 8081, and I cannot think of one quote unquote star Carolina big that I would take over Baycott or that I would take Baycott ahead of. I realize star is subjective, so I'll just keep it to you guys to, you know, to have the hanging jersey. Let's keep it to the guys that have the, the hanging jerseys. I don't think I would take him ahead of John Henson either. I might take him ahead of Haywood, Perkins, Doherty, Reed, Matras, Wallace, Jameson, May, Hansborough, Zeller. Forget about it. I think that's what we're ultimately trying to get at. But as we've discussed too, Baycott is just a different player. It's a different kind of player. Yeah. And there's also different kind of legacies that I think he's trying to establish. Yeah, look at that. Person's not even related to me. That was nice. That is nice. Uh, from JMA, different from the other Carolina reference that I made earlier in the podcast. From JMA, biggest problem for Flip is that they don't have a five. Uh, PF Flip's natural position combination of that and him generally having a bad whistle on both sides of the ball makes him have to play too timid to stay out of foul trouble and find a rhythm throughout the game. They have to play someone else at the five as a starter. So Kyle can at least start the game aggressively. Duke did try for some portal guys for the most part. Uh, the grades held him back. Main target was a current is the current TCU center. Yeah. I mean, we referenced this on Monday's show in relation to if Shire had it over to had could do it again. They would probably be a little bit more yeah. of like, hey, um, so Nina, here's the deal. <laughs> can we make this work? Let's make this work. Or the general manager, can we make this work? We got to get this guy Lessons here. Lessons learned. Just Lessons. like Carolina. Yeah. Like you said. Yep. Sometimes you go in the portal, you get a winner, and sometimes you don't. Uh, uh, you get, go back to the Wolfpack. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, geez, I was on the treadmill almost face planted when I heard, but I don't want to sleep with you, but it's free. Put it on the audio board. Uh, we also have Mallrats reference for the win. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and somebody, I wanted to address this real quick. Uh, somebody said YouTube is only showing one view with 20 likes. I go, yes, YouTube metrics are not real time. Okay. Uh, he's like, look, I just wanted you guys to receive credit. Love the show. It's the show that I catch regularly. We appreciate that. We really appreciate that. But yeah, don't get too caught up in the metrics on YouTube in the first 24 hours because they kind of do their own thing. Uh, I've had to teach myself that. Uh, I have access to a real-time counter, but for the most part, the public view stuff takes a little bit of time for it to catch up. That's going to wrap it up for today's show. We will see you Wednesday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.